What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 61 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Lucas Agin, and joining me, as always, is Ryan Smith. Ryan, how are you? Well, as you can see, my daughter's here, <laughs> uh, even though... <laughs> Other than that, I'm, fi- I'm fantastic. I know that it's uh, around her or almost finish- finishing lunchtime for her but uh i'm doing well we uh we, uh, it was nice we chilled out we we had a little uh fire in the yard yesterday so that was uh pretty cool and and the uh, uh nephew and our nephews came over and stuff like that so that was fun and my daughter had a little uh, uh concert she's been uh, learning the piano so uh that was it was really cool and we had uh, the parents the grandparents on uh, uh virtual and stuff like that so they watched as well so it was it was a good weekend and i i am so close to beating spider-man i can taste it i can taste it uh, so that, you know what I mean? Like I, I put in some good time, uh, here this weekend as well. So that was, that was, uh, you know, I'm, 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 it's, it's almost over. It's almost over. And by that, I mean, I'm moving on to the DLCs and then I've got Miles Morales as well. So, uh, you know, it's good. How about yourself? How was your weekend, buddy? My weekend was good. I was playing, uh, some more of John Wick Hex and of course, Super Mario 35, I am at 91 wins, so I'm going to try and get to 100 before they close shop at the end of the month. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we can do it. I swear, though, I can get like top two or three easily, and I just can never close the deal consistently. But <laughs> that's my goal. That's my goal. But enough about us, because we are joined by a very special guest this week. You may know him from a variety of roles, from Night at the Museum, the fantastic series big sky or as i'm sure many gamers know as kotun khan and ghost of tsushima patrick gallagher is joining us this week patrick how are you my friend good how you guys doing i decided to go without my glasses (laughs) well we had a big discussion about that (laughs) (laughs) before we get too far let us say congratulations on your bafta game awards nomination yes that that must be such a a cool thing for you that totally very cool and totally surprised what a really great sort of shocking surprise so yeah but it's 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 pretty cool bafta anything is pretty cool so perfect i know we are pulling for you i know that that in my book i hope you win i think you're deserving more than deserving so i'll be uh Following that closely here uh, next week, almost to the 25th coming up. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully I'll be able to join the cast. I'm just waiting to find out scheduling. So hopefully. Perfect. I I had no idea what you guys were talking about before, by the way. It all was like a foreign language to me. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I perform in them, but I just, I, I don't know how to play these games yet. So. You know that, and that's all right. That's all right. And I, I think too, at some point in time, because uh, I feel like there's games for everybody nowadays. So it's just about a matter of, hey, do I have some time? Maybe I'll check it out, or you know, maybe it's something that you know, it's just like meh, just not. Uh, but you should check out like some. I mean, it's a absolutely gorgeous game. But uh, baby steps, baby steps. I, I would say so. There you go. Well, I have. I mean, I have. <laughs> I have seen 
clips of it on YouTube, and it's. I mean, mm. they did an amazing job. The thing is gorgeous. I would just get my ass kicked by me all the time if I tried to play it. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to play it. But you know, the one thing I will say, you know, I had a PlayStation One. That's the last time I played the games, and and the sort of the, mm. the first person shooter stuff is where I just couldn't quite figure out how to play it, and I sort of lost interest. But all this open world stuff is kind of pulling my interest back in because that's, Mm -hmm. I think, what I always wanted to play. And that might get me to actually get myself a console of some kind and start playing because that, that to me is, is really incredible. And I think the most interesting part of it for me. Well, yeah, and we've had so many conversations where we've said that, you know, video games have really matured and we've been able to mature and, and watch it grow up. We've grown up with it. Um, so just being able, you know, and now a lot more of them are becoming so story driven. It's almost like just being an interactive, you know, film, uh, with animation, you know, they've gotten so good and the storytelling on, on so many of them are, uh, are so u- unique, you know, it's a, it's a playground that you literally can create anything and do anything and be anybody. That's what's so fun about it. Yeah, and that's what's it really amazing, and it's true. I've I've watched sort of the YouTube cuts of all the um, cut scenes, and it is like watching a movie. I've done it for a, a couple of video games, and you can literally just sit there and watch this sort of really interesting TV show for an hour and a half, you know, without even playing the game. It's incredible, you know, what they can do with it. Absolutely. Uh, let's get into it. Before we sit down here and and really dig deep with Patrick, we just wanted to touch on a couple of uh, uh, video game news items. The official Microsoft and Bethesda merger uh, has gone down. They have uh, Bethesda is now under the Microsoft umbrella. And we actually got a little little more details now that this is official. We got a little more details as far as what it looks like gaming wise. We know now that like 18 plus games, I think that are available today now are on from Bethesda are, are part of the game pass, such as I'm really excited about this. They've got all the dooms from the original doom, uh, up into, uh, or up until eternal on there they've got skyrim which i never had a chance to play skyrim fallout 76 i'll probably play because it's on there um you've got morrowind uh rage 2 which i've not i've never played any of the uh, rages but uh it looks all right yeah the elder scrolls stuff so they've got some huge i mean i feel like these are huge huge moves for Microsoft, and this is just that beginning of being able to see and get more games onto their platform. It's going to be interesting moving forward. They also talked about how there are going to be some games from Bethesda coming out of there. They're going to be exclusive for Microsoft. I don't know if that means both console and PC, but, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I, again, I, I feel like, and you guys, I mean, well, you guys don't know, but Lucas knows and, and, and people know. If you know me, you know how I feel about uh, Bethesda and how I feel like they've really done a disservice to their community and their fans, uh, especially with their latest uh, launches and stuff like that. So I really feel like maybe this could be an opportunity for them to kind of have some redemption and, and regain some of that uh community trust and trust from other people. I mean, as an outsider, I'm just like, I'm less likely to get something from Bethesda just because how I've seen, 
you know, what they and how they not really listened to their community and did all kinds of weird wonky things. Although I'm not going to lie, I am excited about Deathloop. That is by Bethesda, uh, Bethesda as well. So, um, yeah, it, it, you know, this is this is a huge uh, power flex from uh, Microsoft and uh, them being able to officially have this stuff. I, it's like this is only a good thing. This is only a good thing. What are your thoughts, Lucas? You're right. And, you know, Game Pass is, I mean, it, it already is represented such a compelling value. Moves like this just makes it even more so. And it's, you know, as as a mainly PlayStation gamer, I'm always sad that, like, some future Bethesda games might be uh, Microsoft platforms exclusive. But, I mean, that right. only makes sense. <laughs> so, I mean, right. it's just so cool to have this amount of games. Like, there's a lot in their back catalog that I would never get to. But I could now, easily. Like, I don't have mm-hmm. to go out and buy them. I can just try them through Game Pass. And, like, that. that's where I find a lot of value is so many games that I just missed or didn't spend a lot of time in, or that I never finished. Like, this is the perfect chance to revisit a lot of these franchises. And, I mean, good for Microsoft. Uh, great news for Bethesda. And I hope Sony <laughs> uh, can come out swinging here in response here pretty soon. They, I mean, they need to They need to make some... I mean, I mean what we get for, for the uh, PS5 or PS Plus was, I believe, a game called Marquette. It did not look interesting to me and that's just me and i'm not trying to you know but like i expected a little more especially with plus especially kind of where we are with the new uh platforms is the fact that there's not a lot of games out right now again we kind of still ran into it and i mean there are games out but not games that are native to playstation 5 none of the new stuff that we've really you know that we're on the cusp of some of this stuff starting to come out, but I, you know, yeah, I, I, it's a little disappointing to see where a PlayStation is. And, and we've been seeing Microsoft, they've been, been trying to make these moves for a while now. Right. And they've been basically setting themselves up to really get a solid list of games under their belt, under their umbrella. I feel like, as, you know, in, in totality, they are reaching consumers on every level they've got something for everybody right you can you can you know if you have a pc you can do that stuff if uh, you got an xbox series s uh which is going to be cheaper and you know but it's very very consumer friendly price you've got the one that's a little higher grade you know there's there i feel like they're hitting every note and they're hitting every consumer and now they're sitting there like all right we need to get serious about getting some solid games on our platform right exactly you know patrick i'm interested as an actor, when you see video games kind of explode as it has over the past decade, decade and a half, does that make it more enticing for you creatively to want to jump on some of these projects like a ghost as opposed to if it was still more of a um, niche market? Yeah, I mean, I really, really enjoy doing ghost i mean I, I i i enjoy performance capture i don't enjoy being in a skin tight suit no one should have to see that including <laughs> myself i have lost i have lost 50 pounds since i did ghost nice but you know you're we were talking earlier they have become kind of like doing movie scenes or television scenes which is a lot different than what they were five even five or seven years ago when it was just all in the studio and yelling out get down get down and there is a 
kind of interesting creativity to it because to me it's kind of a hybrid between voice work and and acting work because it can't be quite as intimate because you've got these cameras around your face um you're and have to imagine everything around you which makes it interesting and a little bit difficult to do the first time you've done it if you're not used to it but yeah it's a it's just a whole another venue a whole another area that we can go in and be creative with and the, and the writing and, the, and we were talking earlier the writing and the stories are getting incredible you know and, and that's that's exciting to me as well yeah, you know, and it's 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 fascinating to watch. Um, and I always point to uh, a game like The Last of Us in my past as like that example of of when it hit me that I'm like games are telling stories that are like every bit as thrilling and emotional as any movie, TV series, or book that I'm reading. So like that's that's been really cool to see. And uh, yeah, and and I'm just happy, right? I'm just happy that a lot more fans are going to get this catalog of Bethesda games because um, their reaction to the gaming community, notwithstanding there are some quality titles that they've made. And so hopefully, hopefully you can jump into some of those, Ryan. Yeah, no, I'll definitely, uh, I'll, I mean, we'll see. I, I'm, let's, let's be real. My backlog is so ridiculous. We'll, if I, maybe, maybe one day I'll, I'll be able to jump into those. However, speaking of, of games I'm excited for and Game Pass, uh, they just uh, announced that Outriders is going to be on Game Pass. And I'm not going to lie. I'm just like, come on, man. I literally just pre-ordered this game. So now you're telling me I gotta, I gotta go and, and get a refund now. Cause why get it if I already have Game Pass? You know what I mean? So just a warning. If you do have Game Pass, you don't need to purchase Outriders cause you already get it, uh, through Game Pass. This game though, I've got to say I am having a ton of fun. And, and here's the deal. This is something that I really like about, uh, it's people, the, the studio people can, uh, I think it's people can fly or people who fly, uh, is the studio. And what they've done is this is a legit bona fide uh, demo. You remember those things back in the day? They used to do them all the time. <laughs> Get people hyped up about games. It's more of a complete game. That's what we got. Obviously, there are some issues. Here's something that was interesting, though. Uh, they are actively making hot changes and hot fixes to the demo. I think that right there tells you something about what their work ethic is, what they, you know, what they're about and, and what they're really trying to do with this game. Uh, you're, you have access to legendaries now in some of the end game stuff here. This game is going to completely unfold. It's co-op, it's cross play. It's, uh, uh, yeah, I think up to three or four people for, uh, co-op. And then there's this is not going to be a live service game either, which I I think is super smart that they made that decision. We've seen the last few um, live service games have really struggled. So I think they made a smart decision not to go that route. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with this. Again, they said, you know, depending on how the community um, response to the game will will determine on if we make any more content or not which is smart instead of already saying we're going to dedicate these resources it's like look if the people like it enough we'll continue making content for it but we're not planning on you know we've got a full flesh story and end game things uh for this game i'm pumped about this game this game is is a lot of fun 
it looks beautiful. And I mean, like you said, we had just said it. Talk about more power moves by by Microsoft to have this available on Game Pass day one. I mean, oh my goodness, that that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, if if that's going to be the trend when you're going to start to see like brand new major releases drop on Game Pass. I mean, that's the, <laughs> that's a huge, huge thing like that. That is enough to make a lot of people jump uh, and would definitely make me kind of consider a lot of a lot of changes. I mean, how could you argue with this if you're, if you're going to start getting games of this magnitude on? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's literally just I mean, it is a flex move, I feel like to take this not only that, but then just the whole experience in itself that people uh, have access to this free demo on all platforms. You can play and co-op with all your friends out the gate in this demo uh, cross play. And then one of the biggest mind blowing things that like, again, I've, I've said this for years and this is why I really I kind of didn't play a lot of demos it's like because you know that after playing a demo you're gonna have to do everything over that you've already done and this game is allowing you to take everything that you've gotten in the in the demo is gonna be available and you have it in the actual game day one i was like take my money here's my wallet you can take my money like i i love it this is yeah this game i think this i'm telling you this game is gonna be huge this game, I think, is going to be huge. They're making all the right moves. They are. The game feels good. You know, if the story delivers, if the end game stuff is there, I think this could potentially be uh, uh, an absolutely just a straight banger for 2021. Oh, yeah. The hype is real for that game. Definitely. And, you know, Patrick, you're no stranger to being involved with games that have a lot of hype. Like the hype before Ghost came out was extremely high. Like, I was super excited for it. It didn't disappoint. When you're involved creatively with a project like that, are you trying to like kind of tune out the the amount of like chatter going around about a game and a project, or are you kind of like feeding into that and seeing how how people are feeling about it? Well, for me personally, um, uh, I'm not a really big gamer, so I didn't really notice it, and I generally just try to concentrate on the work. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's that's my role in this game is to, you know, try to bring that character to life as best I can. Hype is always when we were finished, you could feel the hype coming. And that was exciting. You know, once we were done. But while we're doing it for me anyway, I'm just concentrating on trying not to mess up my lines and try to make something interesting and try not to think about wearing a skin tight suit. <laughs> You know, I mean, throughout your career, you've, you've been involved in, in both really big scale projects like A Night at the Museum and smaller scale projects. Does that change how you're approaching it? Like, is there different levels of pressure if there's if you're in one of uh, a, a giant thing as opposed to maybe a more indie thing? Um, not while you're actually shooting it, but I guess around it. Yeah, it's a little bit more exciting, mm-hmm. as I guess, for lack of a better term, maybe a little bit more fun especially sequels, you know, I mean, there, there was a real mm-hmm. familiarity to the, to the night of museum two and three that, that was just kind of a joy to do because you kind of knew what your role was. You knew what, what we were doing. We knew what the tone was. Like I said, all that stuff I think comes into play when you're not working, you know, when you're actually on set doing it, I, you know, I'm just thinking about doing the work as best I can. And you know what they have, whether they have muffins at crafty. Yeah, exactly. So, services. but it, I mean, it certainly does. It certainly is fun to be in something that has a lot of hype. 
I think what thing you have to realize these days is, you know, the hype, it comes in fits and starts. The hype doesn't last forever. So you might as well enjoy mm-hmm. it while you've got the hype, you know. What, what, you know, it's funny you're talking about all the, what it's like to, to, do, to do video games these days. What kind of interests me is the melding and how it, they're going to start combining film, television, and, and video games in the future. Because it's all going to become kind of part of the same thing or something new that's going to be off on its own. Um, mm-hmm. that, that to me is really kind of exciting and a little bit scary, actually, as an actor. Because they can just take our images and do whatever the hell they want with them at some point. Which is a little bit mm-hmm. kind of disconcerting but also exciting (laughs) do you do you have an idea like do you have a vision of what that future might look like well i mean i'm thinking that you're gonna have something where you go to a movie theater you watch it and then you go back and you continue whatever's going on in that movie theater on your computer that you're probably gonna have people creating their own stories you're probably you know they might just have movies as as a seed to jump into a video game that you then create yourself i mean who knows what technology is gonna do you know i mean you could do all kinds of stuff that already exists. There's a game called Quantum Break. That is, I think it's a show and a game. Yeah. Uh, something. Yeah, it's something crazy. Like I, I was watching one of my friends play it, and I was like, "What? What am I seeing?" I was like, "Is this live action? Like, like what?" They're like, "Oh yeah, it's Quantum Break. Like you, you had the game, and then like they, they have like 20 minute episodes uh, that you can go and watch uh, or something. Like somehow they, they incorporate both together. I was like, I gotta, like I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't even well, yeah. know that was a thing. So funny. Friends of mine and I talked about this 15 years ago before technology was there that we wanted to do something where you just kind of choose what you want the characters to do you know mm-hmm. and in some ways it could be a, almost like a series for an actor because you're going to then get the audience then to decide do you want them to go into the tunnel and save this person do you want them to forget that and you could just create your own damn stories you know mm-hmm. i mean who knows we have we could wear glasses where you could just be playing this game and part of your life integrates into what's going on in the game i mean who knows what's going to happen in the next 50 years because stuff is moving so damn fast and one of my favorite movies recently was ready player one because of that kind yeah. of, you know, that kind of world they've got. Um, but yeah, it's exciting and a little bit disconcerting because you can do a lot of stuff with technology that that is, it's like anything. There's some really positive things, but there can be some nefarious things done as well. So but yeah, it's exciting. I agree 100%. I know we're, we're kind of uh, scraping around there. Let's take a quick commercial break. Then we're going to get back here, sit down with Patrick and talk about all the things. We'll be right back, guys. Welcome back, everybody, and now comes the fun part of the episode. And, Patrick, I'm just going to jump right into Ghost. I mean, this is a game, obviously, that has connected with fans, nominated and won numerous awards, obviously nominated for 10 BAFTAs, including yourself. So take me back to the audition process. What attracted you to this role, and, and, and what was that audition process like? Well, I mean... Koten Khan is a fascinating character. I mean, you kind of, I use Genghis Khan as, as kind of the, um, you know, the, the, the template of it. And you, you knew it was the antagonist. I know enough about video games that, you know, you want to play the antagonist if you can. The writing was great. So I, you know, I kind of had an affinity to it anyway, and I felt pretty good about my chances when I went into the audition. And then I went in and 
did it with Nate Fox, who was great, and Ivy Eisenberg, who, who was a casting director, and did my lines and did my per, my audition, and things were going well. And I thought it had gone pretty well. And at the very end, because it was a video game, they figured they just needed to see you know some physical stuff if I could you know handle a little bit of you know fighting stuff. So I said, yeah, no problem. And so we did a couple of pretend hits and falls. And on the last one, going into the mat, I tore something and down my hamstring. And all I remember thinking oh. is, don't limp until you get out of the damn room because you don't want them to think you get hurt. <laughs> so I was like wincing going, thank you very much. Yeah, that was great. And got outside of the room. I was like, oh, and that thing never really healed. That's, that's when I knew I was oh, getting no. old. Yeah, and that was, yeah. that was March of 2017. So this process took three years. You know, and you can tell because it's such a beautiful game. I mean, it, it amazes me how gorgeous it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the writing was incredible on it. You know, that that was a real joy for me because, you know, I've done a few other video games, but these were real stories with some really interesting um, subtext going on. And for me, it was so much fun to create this guy, you know, and to try to not make him the typical bad guy and throw some humor in and. Mm-hmm. You know, Nate and Billy, who were there all the time, were so great to collaborate with and just open to ideas. And yeah, it was a really fun experience. You know, what I love about him is, as you said, he's not just your average villain. He's both cunning and physically imposing. And, you know, one one of my favorite quotes came early on when he said uh, something along the lines as like, I know which villages to tame and I know which villages to burn. And like, like just like the menacing nature of that Plus, like showing that that he's got the smarts in addition to the brute force. Like, can you kind of talk about how you form that character and and like just showing that he's a much deeper character than a lot of times we get from villainous roles? You know, to be quite honest with you, when we first started, you know, I didn't quite look at it. And this is, you know, I my bad. I didn't quite look at it the same way as I would look at a regular role, quote unquote, because it was so, you weren't there that often. But as I started to do it, I realized how much potential and how much fun there was in him. And for me, what I always thought, because I'd studied Genghis Khan a little bit, you know, knew that he wasn't as brutal as they thought. You know, he wasn't going to go out and destroy you all. He, You could have your own religion. All he wanted was loyalty and fealty. And I looked at that as kind of, he had a task to do. Coton just had a job to get done. And if he needs to kill an entire village, he will. But if he can do it simply by offering people something and, and having them come over to his side, that's what his job was. You know, it's a little bit of bureaucracy of just get the job done. Um, I didn't want to play him just as some wild man, crazy murderer, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. he's no more of a murderer than the leaders we have now. You know, I mean, leaders today make decisions to kill people. Right. You know, whether we like it or not, it's just part of, I think, being a leader. And that's how I looked at it. He's like, to achieve this goal, I might have to kill some people. But I don't, I didn't want to play him as some guy who just killed for no reason. You know, he didn't dislike it, you know, but I, but I think that was a part of the time rather than part of who he was. So I looked at it. How is your experience, you know, working with other cast members and really being able to, uh, you know, as you're telling the story, interacting with them? Because we're seeing more and more, especially within games and and mocap, that you're having now this opportunity to work a little more with your with your uh, other with your fellow actors as opposed to, you know, just being in a booth and, you know, getting, all right, I can hear this person's lines now. And, and tell us a little bit about that experience. 
Well, that part is really fun because, you know, mocap I don't enjoy as much because you don't get the performance aspect of it. Um, I actually did my first ever mocap in the first Last of Us. I, I didn't have any lines, but oh. I was just doing the, I did the, I had to do the movements. But performance capture, you're exactly right. What it, There's a lot of collaboration. And what I really like about the video games I've done is that it's not quite as set in stone as you might have in a film and television because there's they can do whatever they want you know they can they can make they can make whatever changes they want on the fly which to me makes it really exciting because you know there was a lot of back and forth with the other actors there's a lot of back and forth with Nate Fox the creative director and and Billy um you know open to ideas and kind of coming up with things and that was really fun and it does make a big difference to have the other actors there we did do booth work afterwards. I mean, you're right. That's not as much fun because you just don't have something to bounce off of. That makes it a much more interesting day for me. You know, just running around in that suit doing the physical stuff is is fun. But to me, being able to put the performance capture with the motion capture is really kind of an interesting experience. Because it's, it's, like it's, it's like doing quote-unquote regular acting, but it's also a little bit different because... There are restrictions to what you can do. It's not quite as intimate, but then there's so many other things that you can do that you can't do when you're doing film or television. So, you know. You know, one of the things I also found fascinating in in when I was playing this game was the the dichotomy between you and Jin Sakai. And, you know, I know that, that there was one scene where where you're saying, you know, we're not so different. We're both weighed down by some of our elders and the pressure that puts on. Do you do you see them as almost like two sides of a coin, but but similar in their past and what they had to go through and, and what drove them forward? I think, yeah, I think he was sincere in that. You know, he was saying, you know, Jin was, was in the shadow of his uncle. Kotun was in the shadow of his uncles, you know, and he was trying to appeal to to that part of Jin. Mm-hmm. I think there was there's truth in it, but I think he was also calculating enough to try to say, you know, to get in Jin's head. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is the way to get Jin to to be on his side. But yeah, I think he was. I think, you know, I wasn't constantly thinking about it, but in hindsight, I think there was a little bit of resentment in Koten. There was a little bit of insecurity, a little bit of feeling like he wasn't getting quite his due, which I think is where some of his anger would come from. So that was all there as well, that feeling like, you know, he's got Kublai. He's got his damn cousin Kublai. He gets all the damn glory. No one, here, no, one scree- no one yells Koten's name. So he's stuck trying to get Japan when, you know, Kublai gets to go attack Europe. What the hell kind of deal is that? <laughs> you know, I got to go on a damn boat. You ever been on a boat with horses? <laughs> Kublai gets to ride. <laughs> you know, so, but I think there was part of him that was using every tool he had. So he was smarter to go, maybe this is a way to get Jin on my side. You know, that was my favorite scene, actually. It's a spoiler, but cutting Taka's head off, that scene was my favorite scene. Because I think the essence of, of Koten was there, that kind of humor, the frustration, the kind of his own insecurities, his own anger is everything to me is in that one little scene. And that's my favorite one. And damn, they did a good job with that ripping of the, I mean, that was like, because that was, we faked that. And all of a sudden you're in there, I'm like, dang, Taco. Was there a scene that was most challenging to get down? Hmm. That one was pretty challenging just for the physicality of it and trying to figure out, you know, the movements we were going to do. They were all challenging in their own way and all 
once the first couple were the were weirdly the most challenging because I wasn't we weren't quite sure I wasn't quite sure what I was doing necessarily we weren't quite we're trying to figure things out ironically the first scene we did was the one that turned into the trailer which was that little speech about I know your villages and I learned and I think that's where I kind of felt grounded was once we did that and was able to find the the tone and the style there and they they seemed pretty happy with it so that that's the, the, uh, yeah, a lot of the well, – anything with physical stuff I found a little more challenging because you are in, in this empty box trying to go, okay, this is where the barrel is. And I've mm-hmm. got to – you know, that – all of that stuff is the most challenging part of performance capture to me is trying to imagine, you know, objects there and how to place them and, and make sure you don't step on them or walk through a barrel, you know, because Coton's got a lot of talents, but going through solid – materials is not one of them <laughs> did you guys do any kind of like weapons training and stuff like that or did you guys like utilize like phys- like not necessarily like real weapons but like some sort of uh you know like kind of something lighter and, and makeshift just to get a feel for it and like, like, well, you we, were, like yeah we would have we would have stuff basically mainly so that they could i i guess use the, uh, what's what's it imprint them on the computer whatever the hell the technology yeah, is i don't yeah. know yeah um, and we, you know, if you're swinging a sword, you need to have something in your hand, but we didn't do a lot of the fighting. So luckily I had done some stage fighting in theater school and had done it before, but yeah, most of the physical stuff, you know, was done on computer, but yeah, I did have mm. a big, I did have a big stand in ax, you know, and then, you know, those are interesting too, because you, you don't have the proper kind of weight. You know, so it's good to have something you have, but you need to try to think, okay, this axe is going to be weight. And, you know, people ask me, and I played Attila Hun, which was supposed to be Genghis Khan, and, you know, they're very different. But what I did use from that is that Attila the Hun costume was about 45 pounds. And I do remember thinking, I'm wearing this skin tie suit that weighs nothing, and I keyed back on how it felt to wear the suit for Attila on, on how I would walk as Coton. And I knew what it felt like to have all that armor on. And so that's right. where I would combine Attila with Coton is remembering, okay, I need to move like I've got armor on. I need to move like I've got boots on. I need you can't just walk. And so that that's that that kind of stuff, you know, that's where I that's where it goes back to Attila. And that's that's where having the, the weapons in your hand helps because you have some kind of reference. You know, since this game's been released, I mean, obviously there's been so much positive reaction from gamers and awards coming along with it. What do you think has connected with people from that storytelling perspective? And what is it like to, to see such a strong accepting of the work and, and not just accepting, but loving it? Well, I mean, it's really great. You know, I mean, I, I wish we didn't do COVID. I'm looking forward to COVID being done so we can do some conventions and meet some of the the yeah. the fans and, you know, hear from them what appeal what appealed to them. I, my theory is I think that everyone likes the underdog. You know, everyone likes to see good defeat evil. You know, everyone likes to kind of Jin's transformation in this game is really fascinating. You know, to go from this young kid to then, you know, maybe becoming what he was supposed to not be, maybe becoming dishonorable, depending on how you look at it, but doing what he needed to do to save his people and to to end up doing what he believed was the right thing. And I think I think that's the appeal of it. You know, people want to see good defeat evil too. Not that Coton was evil. Coton was misunderstood in my mind, but mm-hmm. you know. 
you know, what, what would it mean to you to win a BAFTA? Well, that would be amazing. I mean, you know, it's always nice to get recognition and, and the talent that has been nominated, the talent in video games these days, you know, to even be included with all those people is just an honor. Yeah, it would be, it would be pretty cool. I got to say it would be, it would be, uh, it would be pretty cool. And if you if you could take us back to the beginning a little bit, what got you started on your acting journey, and and where how has it kind of evolved as as your career has gone on? I come from a very educated family. I'm half Chinese, half Irish. I'm, oh, I'm taking my glasses back off so I look cool. <laughs> uh, and I just kind of got a little bit lazy at the end of high school and didn't really you know, want to go to university. And I went, I auditioned for a, a community college theater program, basically just to get people off my butt. Just tell them I was, you know, in school, leave me alone. Realized how <laughs> much I actually loved it. Um, and then auditioned for National Theater School of Canada and got into that. And that's where I started nice. to really seriously think about this being a career. Um, and then came out of that in 1993. God, I'm old. Jesus. <laughs> you know, and, you know, did some work, but had a regular job, you know, all through, you know, up until 2000 and had a regular job until moved to New York for a while. Then moved to Vancouver and had a regular job until I auditioned for Master and Commander and somehow got that movie. And I, that was the summer of 2002. And I've been able to make a living at it ever since. You know, and it's, you know, it's been exciting because you go through ebbs and flows. You know, I played the same kind of character for a long time. Um, and then you get, I got a role like Sideways, which was able to open up a little bit more of the sensitive side. And you just keep trying to building on your yeah. career and building your career. And every job is, you know, going to open up other jobs. So I'm, yeah, I've been quite happy. I'm just happy to be able to do what I love doing, you know. Was there a, a plan B, like if you hadn't entered theater school to get people off your back, was there a different track you think you would be on today? Yeah, the, well, I really wanted to be a marine biologist and a reporter when I was a kid. Those are the two things I used to want to be. So I used to walk around going, this is Patrick Gallagher, CBC News, Lebanon. And I, <laughs> you know, and I thought that was really exciting. I, I, I watched news when I was 11 years old. Um, and I, I love any kind of ocean stuff. You know, one thing that, that got me off of marine biology was watching Jaws. Mm -hmm. But then I finally started diving and, you know, I, I finally figured out how to go scuba diving and, and I, I realized how much I loved it again. So, yeah, I probably would have been a marine biologist or a reporter. Just definitely nothing in sales because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> Same. Oh, Same. God. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I got the second best job in the world, so I'm pretty lucky. Wait, what's the first best? Uh, rock star. Just, and not for, the, <laughs> not for the stuff people think. I mean, not for all the extra stuff. It's just, I, I can't even imagine what it must be like to be on stage with 25,000 people moving to something you've created. To be able to create music yeah. to me is something I wish I could do. You know, what, what must that feel like to be on stage with, you know, creating this incredible music with other people and the, the connection and the feeling the family I mean, that that I would give up a week of my life to do that one night, like a bad week, like June 14th to 21st, 88, but I would give up a week of my life. <laughs> that was, that's, that was very specific. Yeah. That was a bad week. That was a bad week. <laughs> we won't go into it. Oh but was no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I know that you also, you also played, you were in Battlestar Galactica as well. That's right. true. I got, I, I, yeah, I did. I did one episode of that. I played a guy named Grimes who got in a bar fight with Apollo. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. What was that? I mean, I love that show. Like, I to this day, I still think that's one of the greatest shows of all time. As do I. It is so underrated. I think it's one of the best television shows ever. It, it, I've I've actually gone through the entire series three times. Um, I was yes. thrilled to be on it. I love that. I love that show. I mean, I hadn't. I had only started watching it a little bit before I did it because I was a little dubious. And then I realized how mm. good that show is. That show is so good. You know, it's because it's on this huge, the biggest epic scale you can get, which is the galaxy universe. But it's all came down to intimate human relationships and, and human flaws. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible. And what I loved about it is I couldn't tell if it was pro-religion or anti-religion. And sometimes I'm like, this is pro-religion. I'm like, no, it's anti. And I go, well, that's what it's <laughs> supposed to be. It's supposed to make you think about it yourself. You know, right. and that's what I loved about it. Yeah, I love that show. Yep. I wish I'd done another episode because I could have conventioned that too. But apparently, one episode doesn't get you gets you nowhere. <laughs> gets you no gets you no traction. So, looking ahead, are are there certain kinds of projects that you would love to to be involved with? Is there a, a type of of movie or game that you think you you'd want to give a shot? Well, I would love to do you know a huge epic sci-fi movie. You know you know, be a big mm. part of a Marvel movie or something like that, or something like a mission impossible where you get to travel everywhere. Cause that's one of the things I love about this business. Um, but for me personally, I've been just missing theater. It sounds really funny, but I haven't done theater in almost two decades and that's where I started. And I kind of want to go do a play somewhere again, to be honest with you is the thing that as an artist is most exciting to me, but yeah. And then the flip side of film and television, the, the other side would be to play, something really small and intimate, you know, just some sort of small indie movie, something that's a little bit outside the box for me, like a, you know, a dad or a, a, a you know, a lawyer or something. I play a lot of cops, I play a lot of cops. I guess I got a cop <laughs> vibe, but you know, it is, it, it is really, it, you know, we were talking about night museum before. It is really fun to be part of a huge, huge epic blockbuster. And I, I would like to do that again, you know, but in sci-fi cause I love sci-fi stuff. Very nice. That's awesome. I, I do have a, a, a very super serious question here. So we talked to Dice K in December and great guy, super nice, super fun. If if I needed help, if I needed somebody to defend me in a fight, you or Dice K, who should I turn to? You talking our characters or are you talking personally? Uh who would who would be their best at at I guess let's do in real life. Let's do in real life. Well, okay. Hmm. I haven't had a fight in a long time. I would say Dice K because I don't really want to get in a fight. <laughs> so, uh, I think Dice K is also way tougher than, than people think. I think Dice K would be able to defend you quite well. I think Dice K would be able to talk you out of any trouble as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? If push came to shove, I'd have your back. I, I used to be able to throw a punch when I was younger. I, I'm pretty sure I can still do it if I had. That's good to know. That's good to know. I'd have your back too. I might only be good Thank to you. take one punch, but I try. <laughs> you know, so am I. You know, I was, I was, a, I was a, I was a rush. You go crazy, get you on the ground, and if it wasn't over in thirty seconds, I was out of breath and I just lost. That's how I was. So you can always avoid a fight. You that's know. true. That's true. How about how about your character wise? Like, which way do do you think would be most effective? Uh, if you had to adopt one one of their arcs, what do you mean? 
Like, like between, so, so in, uh, from your characters in Ghost, like if you had to turn to one of them to get something done, do you think you turn to, to your character or do you think you turn to, to Jin? Ooh, depends on what it is. You know, I mean, if you need some kind of big project, like, you know, clear out this forest, I'd go to Coton because he's got a bunch of guys he can just go make do it. Mm -hmm. But if it's something small, like some kind of spy thing, you know, some kind of, you know, something a little bit more that takes a little more intellectual capacity. I, I got to admit, I'd probably go to Jen. That makes sense. Yeah. And you know, there's always Shimura. I like that dude. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think Coton respected Shimura. That's why I didn't kill him. What, let me, uh, let me ask you, Patrick, if you had the opportunity, I know that you said that, you know, you, you come from theater and, you know, there's, there's that passion and love for being in the theater. Have you ever thought about like creating a, a, a show or, you know, just trying to incorporate something uh, within that? Not really. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, for a long time I've, I felt like I'm supposed to want to be a writer and a producer because so many people are, but it's just not what juices me. I'm not very good at it. I don't like writing. I'm not great at it. Um, I'm more of like a general ideas guy. And then I'll take other people to, I work well in a group. I can mm. throw in ideas and then let other people, you know, do the execution of it. So I don't know. Like I said, we did have that idea a long time ago about having a, a show that the audience just decides the ending on, but I'm just quite happy being an actor right now. I can say what I need to say through that in a lot of ways. You know, I think that's it, it, even, even in something like Coton, there's a part of who I am that comes out in that. And, that, and, and that's a way of kind of expressing how I see the world or how I feel about things. You know, the humor was, was all was me. I, I brought out myself and the humor of Coton, you know, and the kind of frustration of it. And, you know, that kind of, there's a weird softness to him that I tried to bring in. And that's, that's, that's where I can sort of say what I need to say about the world. And there's also Twitter, you know, I'll just, I'll just <laughs> you, know, you don't want to see my Twitter feed. It's all swear words. And, you know. <laughs> and the odd, the odd cute puppy. <laughs> no, don't thank even, you so much. Cool. Yeah. Don't even get me started. Right, go ahead, on, go ahead. On, don't even get me started on politics. Cause we'll be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> where, can, where can we find you on on Twitter's on the socials? I am at Patrick G Man on Twitter, and then on Instagram, I am I am Patrick Gallagher. Actually, not verified on that one, so you'll see a picture of me, and that would be me. Excellent. Thank you so much, Patrick, for joining us. We really appreciate you coming on, uh, sitting down with us. Again, best of luck to the game and and uh, you as well on the BAFTAs. So that's going to be awesome. Looking forward to checking that out. Uh, and thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. It was great. And sorry for all the technical difficulties, but, you know, I'm a bit of a, I'm a, bit of a, a troglodyte when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> I feel like technology, technology, everybody, everybody deals with these technology issues, he says. Or, or a Luddite. I think that's the word. I'm not quite a Luddite, but it is moving. <laughs> it is, you know, it's funny. It, it's, it's, I knew I'm getting a little bit older because it's moving faster than I can keep up with. And that only started recently, mm -hmm. you know, so not, it's not faster than I can even understand. Sometimes I go, I don't know why we would want this. That's when I realized I was getting old. It's like, I don't, why do we want to be able to do this? Who gives a damn. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, that's when I went, oh damn, I'm an old man now. 
I feel that. Yo, Lucas, what do you have going on this weekend, my friend? Uh, not much. It. I think we're supposed to get some nice weather, so I want to do some outdoor stuff. But I will also hopefully be finishing John Wick Hex and then also just continuing our Final Fantasy VII remake push. What about yourself? Nice. You know what it is. I'm finishing. I'm finishing Spider Man. I don't care. It it is happening. Uh, I'm trying to catch up though. I've got I've got uh, work and stuff. I'm gonna be playing Outriders, Destiny Two, obviously. So basically, same thing I did last week. Uh, try to rule the world. <laughs> Regardless, thank you guys so much for joining Thanks, us today on Land Parties. Thank you, Patrick. We appreciate you taking the time coming and jibber jabbering with us. Uh, it was a, it was a ton of fun having you on. We hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week, and you know what it is. We love your faces.